Hello and welcome to season two of the podcast. I'm here to showcase SAP partners and employees from across the EMEA South region as we try to make sense of the current business landscape. A new season brings a new presenter and a new name. My name is Brooke Spate and this is Regeneration. You can catch up with Reset, season one of this podcast, in all of the usual podcast places. But much has changed even in the short space of time since we recorded those shows. The pandemic may have abated, but new existential crises have emerged. The world is changing rapidly. Businesses are having to respond and reevaluate their purpose and objectives. We have created this series with our people in mind. How can we live and work better together? What's in store for us in the future? We hope this series will acknowledge these questions through hearing directly from the Pana ecosystem. I travelled to South Africa recently to sit down for a chat and a coffee with Mike Hartman from G3G. We spoke about what doing business sensitively means to him, how to look after your people in a time of remote working, and their continued work with the NGO, elephants, rhinos and people. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So I'm excited to have made the trip to Johannesburg this week with SAP for our Partner Innovation event. And whilst I was here, I thought I'd take the opportunity to meet and chat with Mike Hartman, Managing Director for Africa at our partner G3G. Mike, shall we start by you just giving a quick overview of G3G and your relationship with SAP? Thanks, Brooke. That's a story that I love telling. I joined G3G about seven years ago, but we've been an SAP partner for the past 22 years. Started in the UK and then expanded into various different parts of the world, the USA and Australia and here in South Africa. The South African operation is about eight years old. We are an SAP gold partner. When I started, I think with me included, we were about four employees. Now we're luckily we're 50. Yes, we focus on SAP Business One as well as S4HANA and S4HANA conversions and growing even through the pandemic. I I mentioned this morning to someone, we were one of the lucky organizations that actually grew 30% year on year during COVID. So we are absolutely blessed. No, sounds it. That's great. (laughs) So we focused on South Africa in episode one of our first season of Reset, which we recorded remotely back in November 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic. So it's wonderful to be here physically to record this interview. But obviously, as we emerge from COVID, there's the other crises affecting businesses and their employees, partners and customers. Would you like to elaborate on some of the issues that your team face here in South Africa? Yes, it's actually great to be back in building one year in SAP. I I think the last time that I was here was in March of 2020, the last event that was actually held here in this Mm. building. A lot has changed, but it's great to be back. I think the largest impact of COVID on the business was the actual speed that it hit all the organizations in South Africa. The one moment we were fine, remote work was almost a swear word in mm-hmm. our business. And then suddenly we had to start communicating on Zoom and Teams and everything was done remotely. And I think the biggest impact on our people was the fact that we couldn't have those casual chats anymore in the office, walking into someone's office and just hear how they are. And we found that that actually had a huge impact on the individuals working in the company. They got people shy. Some of them even had anxiety and and depression and and things like that. So it brought a whole new dynamic to the way in which we manage our people. 
I always say leaders need to be cheerleaders and motivators. And I think we started doing that more regularly just to make sure that everyone is fine. What we also did is we implemented these casual coffee chats over teams just to not speak about business and just find out whether everyone is fine. So I think from a management perspective, a lot of almost over-communication with regards to the health of the business, the health of the clients, the health of the other team members became really, really important. Unfortunately, a, a number of the, especially the business one businesses failed during COVID and the hard lockdown. So we did lose some customers, but I think the majority of them are stronger than ever after the COVID lockdown regulations were lifted. I think when the move to remote working happened um, during the crisis, we really got an insight into people's home life. And I think that professional, personal life balance really shifted. And that's something I noticed mm. um, when I started working at SAP. <laughs> something I've experienced whilst being in South Africa this week is yes. load shedding, which oh. is something when I first came here, I didn't even uh, realise what that was. Would you like to expand a bit more on that for our <laughs> partners across <laughs> the globe? <laughs> <laughs> so load shedding was implemented a number of years ago where the grid couldn't handle the amount of electricity consumption. And then what they do is they switch off certain areas during the day. So we've got an app, a couple of very clever people in South Africa developed an app where they notify you the moment that load shedding is being implemented again. And I mean, load shedding, it, it lasts about two hours at a time, but it, in most instances, it brings business to a grinding halt because, I mean, you can't operate without electricity. Luckily, yesterday afternoon, when we had the partner innovation event, they informed us that the, the load shedding was revoked. But I saw yesterday evening, five o'clock, it was implemented again. So absolutely a disaster. But I mean, what it has caused in South Africa is in our homes, we rely on solar power to keep us going. In the businesses, the more dirty power with generators and all those kinds of things, because I mean, solar is still very expensive in South Africa. But we're still here, we're still operating, we're still implementing and selling SAP, so nothing to complain about. So just to go back to what you mentioned earlier about your coffee meetings, your one-to-ones with people in your team, have you noticed any impact on employee loyalty since having that greater employee empathy? And why do you think it is so important for someone at the top of the company to have that level of empathy with your team? It's a great question, Brooke. I think in our organization, I always say to people, I don't have an open door policy. I've got a no door policy. So, um, (laughs) but it's funny, these coffee sessions, it usually lasts about 15 minutes and it varies. Initially, I made these coffee sessions compulsory and then I realized (laughs) I'm probably making some enemies in the process as well. So I gave people the opportunity to decide whether they want to have coffee with me. And the funny story is in some instances that 15 minutes would last 40 minutes. And in some instances that 15 minutes, I think the record was about a minute and 15 seconds. And then so we, it was a quick, yeah. you're, you're, you're good. <laughs> yes. We couldn't find words to share with one another. But, <laughs> but um, anyway, I think in the past, we assumed people were fine. Mm-hmm. And you hope that if there's something that bothers someone working in the company, that they will put their hand up and tell you that there's something. Now, sure, you get people that over-communicate that there's something wrong all the time, but then you, you get people that keep quiet and rather leave. And I think what these coffee sessions have created, it's created a platform where they realize, but you know what, Mike also has a wife and children, 
and he needs to take the dog to the vet and the swimming pool pump breaks and there's normal household issues in every home and we can have the, these kinds of informal discussions. Remember, during those coffee sessions, we, we hardly talk about work. And what it does, it, it makes the people in our business comfortable to talk about personal issues as well as work-related issues. And I think what it also does, it creates the platform to say, Mike, you know what? I know Brooke's going through a bad time. Yeah. Why don't you just give her a call and make sure she's fine? Or cut her some slack if she doesn't quite make that particular yeah, deadline. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it brings a whole new dynamic to the way in which we run businesses. It brings out that personal side. Definitely. And as a as a member of Generation Z, we're so used to talking about how we're feeling all the time. I mean, sometimes maybe over, over the top sharing. So coming into a company that's multi-generational, that's something that I, I see in the future for SAP and partners mm. is opening that line of communication mm. and being able to work more collaboratively when you know what's going on behind the scenes. Yes. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for oversharing. <laughs> no, that's great. I think we've moved away from that point where people refer to someone in leadership in an organization as their boss. Yeah. No, um, no one seems to pull rank anymore. No. It's, I'll walk past people in senior um, positions in my office and it's always, good morning, Brooke. I don't know. I like, yes. I like that. I like yes. that way of working where there's no, the room, the yes. room freezes yeah. up. As soon as someone walks in. No, I like that. Yes. Um, that's the environment that I want to mm. work in. Mm. Moving on to another question. So I've heard a lot already about G3G's relationship with the nonprofit Elephants, Rhinos and People. In your eyes, in your company's eyes, What's more important, profit, your community, or your people? Or is there a way that that can be mutually beneficial? It's a great question, a tricky question, but a great question. (laughs) And I think it slots into that whole idea of sustainability, where you realize that what you do for a living touches a a much wider community, Mm -hmm. and that it's your responsibility to do something with those profits in order to change the lives of other people. And that's exactly what we did in 2014 there or thereabout, when we started the the ERP and the Peace Foundation initiatives, the leadership within our group sat down and said, okay, so we're a very successful SAP partner. We don't necessarily want to throw money at problems and hope that they go away. We want to do it ourselves. We want to form an NGO that we are going to run. I mean, based around businesses run SAP, right? (laughs) So so let's try and put an NGO or establish an NGO which we run like a proper business. I mentioned this morning to a group of people, I heard a shocking statistic to say that in conservation NGOs, for every dollar that's spent, only seven cents actually reach the actual animal that you want to touch or change or, Mm -hmm. or affect. And our idea was to change that norm. We wanted to do more. And we wanted to apply the profits that we make in our business to really make a change in people's lives. So you touched on elephants, rhino, and people, or ERP. So we try and protect and preserve elephants and rhino through poverty alleviation in really, really poor communities. That actually takes different shapes as you go along because you can't really look after people in one specific way. There's a variety of ways in which you make sure that they are fine. One of the things that we do is supply bicycles to school children that travel 10, 15, 16 kilometers per day to school and back. I mean, can you think how 
tired they must be by the time that they arrive at school. I mean, they must be down and out by the time that they reach home in the evenings. Then what we also do is we've got the recycling projects. We've got great agricultural projects. I saw on Facebook, you must actually go and follow us, Elephants, Rhino and people on Facebook. And you can see the feedback that the team is giving. We've got a chili farming project where we are assisting farmers to produce chilies. And they just produced one and a half tons of chilies. I mean, can you think the amount of Nando's that you can purify with that? <laughs> and then the other projects that we are involved in is a beehive project where the honey that they are producing will be sold fairly shortly. And then we also realized that, especially where these rural communities are very far away from the city, we created in collaboration with a community, a training center, where we supply learnerships and qualifications to the people from that specific community. Then we try with some of these landowners, try and, and get them to focus on conservation rather than traditional farming. And then they can make money out of ecotourism. Mm. So it's a collaborative partnership that we've got with these communities to teach them how to generate revenue and be sustainable through ecotourism. But obviously with COVID, it made negotiations and meetings and all these things almost impossible. So many of these projects are actually financed through a fund that we put in place during this COVID time. Because obviously the ERP projects and the lives that we touched it doesn't stand still. We need to continue. And that's one of the reasons why I mentioned earlier, this, it's a very dynamic initiative that's constantly changing as the environment in which we operate change. So it's not just about one-off lump sums of money. It's about investing in the, the long term. Absolutely. That's the right word. Long-term change and yeah. long-term sustainability. So I want to finish off by focusing on a key topic we're covering on this season of the podcast. And that's about doing business sensitively. What does that mean to you? Brooke, that's a difficult question. What we've realized over the past couple of months is not just about profit. We are in a very fortunate position where we can touch lives, change lives, affect people, build people's futures, and make the world a better place. I mean, it's, it does sound like a Disney movie, but I mean, that, <laughs> that is what we want to achieve. If you are only driving profit in isolation, I mean, then you're not really achieving something. Or what you are achieving is very short-lived and can disappear any moment. So that is what we as a group are really trying to achieve. I mean, the ERP initiative has expanded. There's an ERP Namibia now. We are also looking at almost developing a franchise model for this ERP initiative because it's really working very, very well. And it's in collaboration with government and it's in collaboration with the community leadership. And it changes the people staying in those areas, it changes their lives. And as I mentioned, these people stay very close to the, the wild animals and in those conservation areas. So whilst we're there, let's try and make a change in all the facets of their day-to-day -day lives. So over and above the ERP Namibia, you'll probably see in other African countries also ERP initiatives popping up. We're also expanding our South African footprint with the projects that we are doing because it is really successful and it is making an impact. It's the poster child of doing business sensitively. I think that's great. I don't know about anyone else, but I think in recent years when our climate is so full of crisis, I started tuning out the news or these issues that you've maybe touched upon today and more. I think it's easy to become so desensitized to the world around you. So 
thank you so much for chatting to me, Mike. It's been so great to catch up and it's been great to be here in South Africa. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. It was great to have you here in South Africa. The sun was shining, but it was cold. So <laughs> next time you'll have to come and visit us in summer. <laughs> cold for you, but hot for, for an English person. <laughs> That's it for this first episode of Regeneration from SAP Amir South. Thanks again to Mike for his time and hospitality in Johannesburg. As much as I always enjoy visiting the different SAP offices, a true highlight of the trip has to be Peelensberg National Park. There's nothing quite like seeing the wild animals up so close and personal. A really magical experience and far different from West London. More insights and stories to follow from our partners across the region in the coming episodes. Don't forget to follow the series on your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed the show, then please do give us a positive rating and review. But for now, it's a goodbye from me, Brooks Bate. Thanks for listening.